Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Light the fuse. Well, this is not mission difficult, Mr. Hunt. It's mission impossible. Difficult should be a walk in the park for you. Uh, it's all got to do with the rabbit's foot. Please don't make me go through you. Sir, Hunt is the living manifestation of destiny, and he has made you his mission. Kittredge, you've never seen me very upset. And you really think we can do this? We're going to do it. Welcome to Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast. As always, I am Drew Taylor, and I am, as always, joined by the vivacious Charles Hood. Charles, how you doing? I feel great. Uh, you seemed like you were a little hesitant about whether or not you were Drew Taylor. You were like, as always, I'm, I think, maybe Drew Taylor. Well, in a world with masks, you never know, Charles. That's who... true. I don't know if I can trust you. Yeah, well... I'm going to go over and grab your face like Shea Wiggum does in Dead Reckoning Part 1. <laughs> Pull at your face. <laughs> that is the only way to be really sure. It's true. There's only one way to know. <laughs> no, we're so excited to be back. We are bringing you the second half of our wonderful interview with Lauren Balf, the composer for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, which is exclusively in theaters right now, and... The composer for Fallout, Mission Impossible Fallout, which is available to stream on Paramount Plus along with all the other Mission Impossible movies. And Charles, do you have anything to set up? You did a great job last week of sort of setting this episode up, setting our expectations. What do you have for us this week in terms of setup? Thank you for the compliment. I feel really good right now. Uh, yeah, so I will say that the music clips we discussed with Lauren in uh, today's episode are excerpts from the Mission Impossible film series soundtracks, which are available wherever you stream, download, or buy music. Go check them out because all of the soundtracks for these movies, we love the music for these movies uh, and, and the old show as well. I will say also this time uh, in part two, you will hear me interject a few times to set up a, a few music clips. Uh, so don't be scared. It's just it's everything's fine. Everything's normal. <laughs> um, and uh, I will say that uh, as we've talked about before, Lauren is our hopeful adopted father. And I think we need to give context for the kilts because this time we talk about the kilts. Okay. So in Scottish tradition, every family has a tartan pattern, and we were desperate to get kilts. We thought that that would really cement us as part of the Balf yes. family, but there was kind of a copyright hitch. Yes. So so we check in with him about it, and we ask about the kilts, and, and, and so we discuss. That's why we're talking about kilts in this, if you're wondering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it all goes back to us just wanting to have Lauren as our dad. So Yeah. That's what that Nothing is. Nothing weird about that. <laughs> no. 
and and he also references the Hollywood Bowl concert. Uh, so we should mention what that was. The, he he was uh, what was he conducting that and and what was what was the it was uh, what was that exactly? It was the video game awards for their tenth anniversary. They did a really cool concert at the Hollywood Bowl where they played clips from vi- various video game scores, and Lauren was up there conducting the orchestra. It was yes. really, really amazing to see him do that. I felt like... I Here's a reversal, Charles. I felt like a proud parent because he was up oh, there at the Hollywood yeah. Bowl. He really was amazing. I know. That, that was amazing. And there were yeah. fireworks, too, at the end, and, and yep. he wrote an original piece of music for it as well, which was really awesome. It was so cool. So anyway, he mentions the Hollywood Bowl concert. That's what that is as well. But uh, I think that's all I've got to set up today's episode, so we can just get right into it if you're ready. So we're going to hear music from Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1? You will hear clips in this episode, of course, but first you're going to hear Kevin Blumenfeld's version of the plot theme to take us into this interview. Oh, great. Well, we'll be back afterwards. Uh, we also wanted to talk about a cue that happens early in the movie that we both loved and looked at each other in the theater. Um, it's this like very heavy piano cue that almost calls to mind uh, the firm a little bit. That idea started off in Fallout. The... Yeah. All those kind of... We love that. Those kind of staggered playing. It also helps that... Oh, no, there's that, but there's also the... Kind of low cluster, those percussion things. Yeah. I love that. I love those textures. I, I can't. I'm not a good piano player, as you can tell. And and firstly, I've been practicing for the last two weeks trying to go. Oh, um, so I. Um, it is. It is kind of a nod to that past, but it's, again, it's really a, a, a more of a nod to Prokofiev and 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 a lot of that kind of very classical music where it was was becoming percussive and it was uh very kind of atonal and again that was you know the the tv show was very percussive and the and the tv show had a kind of a lot of atonalness in it so it's really a a nod a nod to that but no i it's just trying to kind of get a new color but it's a very retro sound that so no it's not the firm it predates that legally. Whoa, 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 wait. <laughs> you have made many movies with Mr. McQuarrie, and I was wondering if it if this is kind of an ongoing conversation that you guys are having, were there any bits of this current score that started like pre-Fallout or while you were working on Maverick or anything like that? Did, did any of those ideas kind of resurface here? Definitely pre-Maverick, because I I know that we had talked, we had talked about, we had gone out for supper in LA. So I, I know that that had started. But Fallout, you know, I I, th- I think apart from the DNA of the that opening um, title sequence, it really was the try to kind of, anything that did kind of have a nod to 
fallout. Chris really wanted to kind of push further and push more, not not just do it for the sake of it. It was it was what why are we using it and what does it mean? And I think it's the same as as that kind of the the high the. You know, there's a not there's a nod to that, but it never that it didn't even fully progress and fall out. Um, apart from that, Henry walk to the helicopter. You know that that little DNA kind of consisted there, and then in this one, it kind of just again just got to kind of progress a bit, a bit further. But but like even the action sequences, you know, the music from Fallout just wouldn't fit in this movie. I think it's just too kind of actiony. Now I think I think with the train and a lot of the action in this, it's very kind of classical. It's like da 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 which was again not written to picture. It was it was Chris had been sending me videos of aerial footage of it. So that was kind of the basis of that the rhythm of the train. So that piece of music kind of started coming from that. Fallout compared to Dead Reckoning Part One, it's it's interesting because the we were so we've seen it now twice. We saw it, you know in Rome. We're going to see it many more times, of course. But how many more times do you think in theaters or for until I die? Um, Within the next two weeks, how about that? <laughs> I'll see it at least a couple more times. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we're 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 busy putting the show together, but I think well we're going to make time to go see it a couple more times. I want to see it format. Dolby and IMAX and yeah, Screen X. Uh, but the thing that was so striking about the movie is the pace of it. It is like it grabs you and it does not let go. And that's pretty different from Fallout, which has more kind of introspection moments of like reflection and like dreaminess. And yes, was that a challenge or was it a difference for you? And, and, and or I mean, I guess also how much did that structure take hold late in the process? And did that affect the music? Chris and Eddie, how, how they structure it is always unbelievable. There, there is a lot there, but also, as you know, when when talking to them, Chris isn't scared to just cut whole sections. There's very, there's very few filmmakers, I, I don't think many, would know that they've spent maybe a, a month filming a whole sequence and spending a lot of money on it. And if it emotionally doesn't work, why is it there? So just drop it. And it's a big decision that, and and I think that's what happens with the length. I, I think it's it's um, it's having this kind of long long term visual arc over it. I'm sure you'll get a deep dive from them. You know, I I, I sit my my kind of process was we we use a program called Evercast, which really kind of did a lot during COVID. It was this ability for people to kind of work in high definition and in Dolby as if we're in the same room. And it's been great for VFX houses, sound companies. Um, Top Gun, we, we, that's how we worked, was going through the music. I think Cecile was in Paris 
and we were either America or London back and forth all the time. So, so Evercast kind of allowed that to happen. But, but I think what when they, when they're working, I would log in in the morning and they'd be editing, and I mute myself and mute my camera. But I'd I'd watch them editing every day, and it was a very interesting way to kind of look at how something was getting uh, put together. And I don't know the only way, way I can look at it is the being brutal being hard about and and not just having something there for the sake of it i.e it's just eye candy it, there's a far deeper thought into it so um it's a, a process that i kind of musically we could think differently about it because we have to kind of look at the long arc and kind of go are we overusing the themes too much are we overusing a certain piece too much and does that answer your question or not? I think I drifted off into a total different universe. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just, I guess, uh, just uh, expanding further on that, like the difference between the Fallout score and the Dead Reckoning score, with Fallout having, you know, a lot of moments of reflection and, and there's like a moments of taking a breath. So there's like, you know, they go, they're underground in the motorboat and they're kind of just, you get to do that plot theme and sort of yeah. the audience takes a breath. Dead Reckoning Bar One does not really. No, but you've still, you've got kind of a mu- musically uh, the gang the gang in venice when they right i, I never know what to say against you know, this... <laughs> well the movie will be out now for for a bit so it's you talking about them in the motorboat when they're together in the, in the motorboat no way they're walking with the bags okay yeah yeah reference for that we would kind of sometimes go back to fallout with that piece of music okay when they're they're in the underground and the kind of the the, the sparseness of it so th- there's that kind of the same moment is sort of kind of there and musically it could have been the same but but you're right there is there is not but i think though unlike fallout there is a far deeper emotional journey happening that gives us those breaks right and those reflective moments, and also I think we're we're having I think there's more fun musically in Dead Reckoning. There's more there's more nods to kind of the opening sequence, whereas in Fallout there weren't those moments to warrant it musically. I think at least. We'll be back with more from Lauren Balf after the break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I mean, there are some some lovely nods to the first movie in this one. Obviously, Kittredge coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The climax being on a train. Um, did you ever think about nodding uh, musically to Danny Elfman's amazing score from the first one? Well, no, uh, no, <laughs> because uh, only because we did it. <laughs> we did it in Fallout because that's why I started the opening of Fallout with with just the drums, because that's how that's how Danny had started the first one. Here is Danny Elfman's music that opens the first Mission Impossible movie. And as a nod to that, here is Lauren Balfe's cue that opens Mission Impossible Fallout with all those glorious bongos. then this one again we do start off with the drums but it's a far deeper tone here is lauren's music for the opening scene of mission impossible dead reckoning part one No, I, I think. Look, you know, to me, we, we're, we're, we, it has to sound like the world of mission, and it's, and we've got these iconic themes that automatically kind of pull pull you there. But I think it was no is the short answer, Drew. <laughs> Thank you, Lauren. I appreciate your honesty on that. I'm now starting to question myself. Like, did it? Was there something that? Um, no, I think if anything. There's some more musical nods sometimes more to kind of four and five sometimes that allows that and that there's kind of old school orchestrations that kind of come into it. But, you know, it's like I've said it before, there's another hundred films worth of discoveries with Lalo's themes. Somebody that only, you know, there's the main theme and then there's the plot theme and we never run out. We never seem to run out of things to do with it. It is fantastic. Is there something that you're dying to do that you haven't done yet that you're like, if I don't get into eight, I'm going to really be upset? Is there anything I'm dying? I wouldn't risk my life, but um, I think, who knows? I don't know. I think with this, as as you know, emotionally, it's a very deep journey with this one. And and, and the music is, has gone down that route and very emotional. So that is not for me to answer 
I was just thinking maybe if you had some idea, like I want to do the theme, you know, purely in uh, on a rock guitar. On a rock oh. guitar, yes. <laughs> I think I think that was done on one, and it got kicked out. If you remember, that was that was the Silvestri score, right? Is that what you're talking about? That was replaced by Elfman, allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. I think there's a little bit of it you can find online if you do a little searching. Yeah, yeah. it didn't take hard to hear it, but well, it's like fashion, isn't it? Hold on to it long enough and it'll always come back. And then Hans, didn't Hans do it for two? I don't recall him doing solo air guitar um, <laughs> shredding uh, that what did appear on one um in the first pass no i think it was more take you know you had the flamingo you had Haytor playing guitar the flamingo guitar right maybe i'm thinking of the biscuit, the biscuit yes. song probably yeah. makes it into the movie a bit as well he did have it in the opening time he he, he did have rock guitar but doing power you know doing chords so um oh, okay okay not the full-on theme uh no <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, so the, McHugh and, and Cruz have been, obviously, they're, with each movie, they're pushing further. It feels like since like Edge of Tomorrow, they're pushing further and further into this. They're digging into emotions. And, and, and this one obviously has the, the biggest, you know, emotional journey, as you're talking about. Yeah. It feels like he's really dialed into, specifically with the Mission Impossible movies, that these movies are about the friendships of the of the team and, and, and their close relationships. And how do you dial that in musically? What are you, what are you, what are you thinking about when you're composing these things? You know, there's the there's the the it, whatever you say will come off sounding like a pretentious knob. <laughs> um, um, so one has to be very careful about it. All you can do is um, try to kind of channel channel something from inside that you can relate to. It's very difficult because I think that it's the same reason some people can't write action music. And I don't know if you can teach them how to do it, and and some some people can, and and I think that the inspiration really has to come from the subject matter and the performances. It's like on Top Gun, you've got the best performances possible out of that gang of people, and Tom's performance, and it's you know how they didn't get you know more more Oscars is ridiculous. It's just a, a great performed piece. And I think with this, you see the chemistry on screen with Tom and some of the others. And you you just see you 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 we've been on a journey with these people for a long time. And again, it does go back to the first one. I remember going to the cinema and watching that 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 uh, train sequence going going in and uh, you know under the tunnel and stuff. And they've been part of our lives for for more than our lives, if, if you see what I mean. So, so you've got to kind of bring all that to the table. But it is, it it is about the emotion, and it is about what what you're seeing. It's very much the same as when I'm working with with Michael Bay. You know, I think Michael kind of gets people kind of say, you know, they just shoot him up movies, and 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 he never kind of talks to me about that side. More time was spent, especially on Ambulance, where we just, you know, more time was spent talking about those first responders and thematically what is their theme and emotionally what makes them do it and how do they just switch off and go and do a day job it's a day job to them they you know they they have to switch off and so there has to be this motive for you to kind of write this type of music and it's there in front of you and all we can do is to kind of try the channel our you know 
our suppressed British emotions like we do very regularly on a daily basis to try to kind of find what that is and bring it out. And it's not easy. You know, that the argument is that's probably why there is 15 hours of music sitting on the editing floor <laughs> of mine, because if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And it, it really does. It takes this long journey and then all of a sudden something works. And, and it's not about guessing. You, you do have a clear part, uh, uh, an intention when doing it because you have to get it out. You kind of, okay, here's the idea. Let's get it out. Let's, and, then, and then you can discuss it. That didn't sound pretentious at all. So you, you cleared it. Yeah. <laughs> that was very lovely. What I really should have said is... Uh, <laughs> No, but, but, you know, look, we we've talked about this before. The whole the whole premise is about being in that audience and what we can grab onto and, and why we've always gone to the cinema. And we've been brought up with mine was that it was Jerry Bruckheimer movies when you saw the Bruckheimer Simpson logo at the beginning and that crack of the tree. That was it. Here we go. Uh, all those all those films. The key point was the emotion. That's what and the audience meant. We grabbed onto it. And that cinematic thing, and 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 it's like the recording of it, the size of this orchestra. We do want it to be kind of epic, and it's not like that all the time. Sometimes it's small ensembles. It's got to match what you're seeing, but it really is that to kind of try to kind of push boundaries and and, and have that sound where it is truly majestic. You know, you you you've got you've got the best studios in the world. We're recording there. We've got the best musicians in the world. We're recording there. It's it's a luxury. So we've just got to kind of find the right notes for what we're seeing. That's the hard thing. How do you know you've succeeded? I mean, do you know when you go see it with an audience and you see their reaction? That- I don't think I don't know. I don't know you'll ever know. It's when I don't get people texting me or twittering me saying you suck or you or, or the best is a, the the one is you're the Chuck Norris of film scoring. I think that's all right. <laughs> In the sense that you kick ass and break people's legs and stuff? No, yeah. I wouldn't. I don't think they're thinking in that fact. It might be based on, you know, some of those. What was the one where he's got this, uh, the two machine guns and there's Washington behind him? Uh, and I believe that is Invasion USA. Invasion. Invasion. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yep. Uh, they, um, yeah, anyway. It obviously didn't. It's not affected me. I had it tattooed on my back, so I can't read it regularly. So it's. <laughs> uh, we have so many people commenting to us all the time on Twitter and Instagram about how much they love your scores and how how they yeah the music and Fallout blows them away and everything. So you, I think I think I think that's an extremely small minority. I, I mean, listen, everybody, everybody's got an opinion. It's like. <laughs> an asshole everybody's got one <laughs> and, um, but you know that that's the thing it's about taste i always find it really fascinating with with our movies and you know we're you we're all part of the mission impossible and uh, experience and and i think what's great about these you know McHugh and eddie and tom is 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 this world of choosing when not to do music it's really effective and and you know we can talk about that bathroom fight for years and <laughs> and there's 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 no music in it but it's still one of the it is still one of the best fight sequences ever we'll be back with more from Lauren Balf after the break 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I know we, we are running out of time, but we have to ask you before we leave, like any updates on the kilt? Is it still in copyright kind of jail? It's still in copyright. And I, I'm not going to go into how many hours I have wait, uh, spent on trying to, uh, but I, w- I was up in Inverness. I went to three different kilt shops and yes, a certain TV show apparently owns the trademark to the Balth Tartan, which so I have to get written permission to have it made or something. It's yeah, shameful. And then and then the, the other plan was I would thought I'll just get you I'll just get you the bog standard tourist kilt that everybody buys when they land in Edinburgh. And then it's like I want a kilt. Uh I can't do that to you. My my I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it to my 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 firstborn. He would never do that. My parents never did that to to me. It was handed to me on my 18th birthday. <laughs> you know, the funny thing about the kilt is that the fact is it's designed to work with you through the years. So I was given it, I think, maybe on my 16th. Then on my 18th, it, we have a birthday party and, and the great. Then you wear it at your 21st. And then, then like you know, then life happens and and your your uh, your body changes. <laughs> Ever so, sli- ever so sli- slightly, <laughs> um, and then the thing. So when I got when I got married, I kind of just tried it on, <laughs> just way too tight. But the good thing is that you can get um, kilt extensions either side on the waist. So when I got married, I, I had eight ushers, and we all had kilts. Seven out of the eight had to all get kilt extensions. Everybody had slow the waist had slowly, but that's the good thing about the kilt. You could just keep adding extensions to it because it just wraps, it wraps around you. So I'll I'll throw in I'll throw whatever it happens. I'll throw in some extensions. Just yeah, we will need definitely, definitely need, yeah, those. We'll need those for sure. Yeah, sure, yeah. it's like it's 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 uh, no, but it, it it will happen one day. Maybe maybe at the. Maybe the premiere of eight, we will all be in kilt. I nearly will. I was going to wear that kilt at the the um, the Hollywood Bowl concert, and then I was a bit nervous of of the fact. It only dawned on me at one point. Wait a minute. There's a stage. There's people sitting down here. Don't want to don't want to scare the ad. You know the horses, as they say. Um, <laughs> so, so gave up on that concert. <laughs> Well, Lauren, thank you so much. You were our first guest. You are, I can't say one of our favorite guests, 
Uh, you can. can say favorite you guest, can say whatever you, know, you want. It's your show. <laughs> well, I know, but I just don't want to. We don't want to offend anybody. But we will say top top five for sure. <laughs> guests. I. Oh, higher than an ace. <laughs> I mean, three, three. It's all right. Top three, top three, top three, top three. It's all we you can don't say. need to list it. Don't list it. We we know who the three are. Yeah, I don't know. It's all right. <laughs> and, and also, I think you're you're including the fact that one of them was your first ever interview. Also, so of course, I mean, we don't need to discuss it. <laughs> Listen, I just want you to be inspired by our friendship when you're writing music about the team for eight. <laughs> you know, we've been friends for five years now. We have this great camaraderie. You know what I mean? So yeah. yeah, here's something you don't seem to ever kind of go down the route of. You never seem to ask people who they want to get interviewed on on your show. Oh, well, tell us who we haven't talked to that we need to talk to. Lalo. Oh yeah, we, you don't think we've, we've tried we're that? Trying. We're trying. We'd love to get Lalo. You know, he lives really close to Kevin, actually. Really, Kevin Blumenfeld I lives down the street. I just sent Kevin over there. I, I know. I keep, I keep telling him, like, can you just drop him a note in his mailbox for us? <laughs> that's, that's, tell him, tell him to offer his services for like a dollar an hour as a pool boy, so he can go there, start cleaning, and start a conversation, start recording it. That's great. Charles <laughs> looks great in a little speedo, and I think he could kind of be that kind of. Wow, I don't, I don't know. Where, I don't know where that, yeah. that is going, but um, it's it's clearly a vision you have. True. We'll we'll work on Lalo. We'll work. Yeah. On we're still, we're still trying to get Hans as well. Hans Zimmer, yeah. of course, and and Elfman. Those are the, the, so those are three of our biggest. Yeah, the top the top of the list for us. I still love, and Hans does it in his live show. Is the the piece from two. The, the Lisa Gerard piece? Yeah. The, the, yeah, the Naya theme. No, I thought thing. you were going yeah. to start singing that, Drew. No, no. I, well, I, uh, don't tempt me. <laughs> um, no, it, it's a great, great piece. And, 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 and yes, that opening piece by Danny, for one, is, is really, is very iconic. So there's my little wish list. Okay. We want to talk to them. We're working on it. We'll get it. We'll make it happen. Good, and also I'm so I'm so happy with the new legitimateness, if that's such a word, of the show. <laughs> if there's two people in the world that deserve success, it's you two. You know, your passion for the uh, show, and I think showcasing everybody uh, in the in the back rooms. I think it's you don't have to be a fan. So many people I know from you know they were talking about the James Mather interview and things. You know, they're interested in sound. It's not necessarily mission it helps but it's showing people to potentially want to get into the industry so it's it's a great show thank you thank you so much lauren thank you so much lauren we'll talk to you very soon have a lovely rest of your day thank you kids very (laughs) proud of you thank Thank you. you What, what can you say about Lauren that hasn't already been said? His smile is like the sun rising above the earth. You know, his <laughs> spirit will transport you. I shouldn't be laughing. Why am I laughing? This is all true. This is just this truth. Is all true. His this spirit just, takes yes. you to another realm, another yes. plateau. What a lovely man. So lovely and so great to hear him talk about these, the amazing music for these movies. We love it so much. 
I, I want to tell people also that we've talked to Lauren in the past and on, on our old show. And I want to tell people they can check out our old show. We did five years of episodes. And you can uh, you can hear all that if you go to lightthefusepodcast.com and go to the episode guide and you'll see show notes for all those crazy over 200 episodes we did back then. They're also available on SoundCloud. So uh, you can check them out there if that's your preference. If you want like a nice app that's good for your phone for walking the dog or driving around in your car or whatever you're doing. I don't know. Maybe you're in a dune buggy. Maybe you've got a dune buggy that has an app. App. Uh, it reads apps, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, probably. I think a lot of our listeners actually are dune buggy <laughs> owners, so I'm glad that you gave them that that tip. It's true. I mean, we we check the demographics for yes. the listeners of our show. The listenership is is made up almost entirely of dune buggy owners yes. or renters. Yes. Now that we're part of Paramount, we get these kind of updates. <laughs> this this guy and a. And frantically running down the halls with papers, and he said, "We we got the demographics. The Dune Buggy <laughs> listeners are are rising." So, thank you, Charles, for yeah letting all of them know that. You're I also want to I, I want to speak to more, more broadly to people, Charles. That okay? We have new episodes of Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast, every Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts. So, we're talking Apple Podcasts, we're talking Spotify. Wherever you listen to them, if you could do us a favor, like, subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us out big time. Um, yes, please. Yeah. And, and then people can follow us on social media at Light the Fuse Pod on Instagram, Twitter. We're not calling it X. Uh, and Facebook. <laughs> and you could also follow the main Mission Impossible account, Mission Film on Twitter and Mission Impossible on Instagram. We've got a lot of great guests and a lot of great episodes coming up. Who Should we tease somebody, Charles? Well, just, we've just got... Just some, somebody. Oh, just tease, just tease somebody, just one somebody. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we've got. Uh, what can I say? I mean, we've got. We we talked to Charles Parnell, who is in both Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One and Top Gun: Maverick, and that was a really fun perspective to talk to him about what it was like to to act opposite Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt and as Maverick. So that was really cool. Charles Parnell's a good one, and then we also got Simon Pegg coming back soon as well. And, of course, we are going to get into behind-the-scenes stuff much more. We'll, we'll be talking to Eddie Hamilton. We'll be talking to others about the making of the movies. We're just giving everybody a chance to make sure they see it before we dig in deep to the... We don't want to spoil the magic of how these movies are made quite yet, you know? No. If anything, we want to celebrate the way that they are put together and how they are produced. Yes. And we will do that very soon. I think that Lorna actually is a good kind of toe dip into that world. Yes. Um, but, yeah, we just want to say that you've been listening to Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast. Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast, is produced by Charles Hood. That's me and Drew Taylor. This episode was edited by Luke Burson with music by Kevin Blumenfeld. Original Mission Impossible themes by Lalo Schifrin. This podcast is a production of Paramount Pictures. All rights are reserved. This message will self-destruct in five seconds. Rise and shine, football fans. Start your day the right way with Morning Footy, a podcast that covers every aspect of the global game, headlines, match previews, analysis, interviews, culture, fashion, and plenty of banter. Join as we track the thrills and spills of Europe's biggest title races, the business end of the Champions League season, a summer packed with international competitions, MLS, NWSL, and much more. Subscribe to Morning Footy.